0: everyone let's call a timeout you're listening to the timeout podcast a podcast run by the surgical student society of melbourne that interviews surgeons about their life and ways that they ended up in the positions that they are at the moment today we're very fortunate to be interviewing dr jasmina kevrick who is a senior or set five trainee about to sit her exams hopefully this year Um, so we'd like to welcome you to the show thank you for chatting to us today jasmina
1: Great, thanks so much, Alex. It's excellent to be here with you guys.
0: Um, So, for our listeners who don't know too much about you, would you like to introduce yourself or describe yourself a little bit more for us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, as you said, I'm a set trainee, set five at the moment, in general surgery, and I'm currently doing a colorectal term at the Northern Hospital.
0: Uh, The next question that we like to ask all our guests is: uh, take us through your morning so far. How how do you like to start your day?
1: Um, This morning has been pretty um, sort of like to say chilled for us so friday is often the time where we do our rounds a bit later so about 7:30 or 8 which is not the usual sort of surgical time but uh friday it is so um and then we did our round and had a group coffee which is something we really enjoy and we don't often get to do unfortunately in colorectal because it's very very sort of busy on the go unit the last few days, it's it's mostly been um, seven o'clock rounds and then off to theatre kind of thing. So you really don't get the time to sit down with your group as much. So Fridays is uh, is our you know time to really get to know one another.
0: So uh, we like to ask all of our surgeons this, but what are you listening to or reading at the moment?
1: Oh, Alex, at the moment everything is about the FRACS exam. <laughs> My entire life is just um, you know, reading up on the surgical notes, um operative notes. It's it's truly just been the last twelve months plus mm-hmm. have all been just uh, preparing for this exam. So um, you know, if the exam wasn't there, I'd I'd probably I'd um read uh, probably still surgical because I said training in mm-hmm. is really all about surgery. So I do I do try to do as much as I can just to prepare myself for this. Know.
0: Mm, mm. So, uh, not too much reading for enjoyment no, <laughs> at the moment. No, not at the moment. It's yeah. it's a
1: different kind of enjoyment. It's you know, yeah, it's a surgical enjoyment, I'd say. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, the love of new knowledge. That's right. <laughs> so, what is one thing that you can't live without?
1: That's a very good question. Um, I'd say it's it's an ambition. I think in life, it's it it's it served me very well. Um, being able to pursue knowledge uh, new things um, new adventures experiences so I think if I didn't have an ambitious life I think that's something that I just absolutely wouldn't be able to live without you know it allowed me to see many different countries meet uh, many different people from different walks of life and just uh, you know experiences not just in medicine but also other areas is is Mm it's been very good so I couldn't live without having that sort of personality aspect to to my life
0: so i think i think you're probably the first guest who's uh, given us a personality trait as opposed to an object (laughs) so far but that's great that's great um definitely ambition needed in the the surgical career um i guess a, a slightly more lateral question then if there was one profession outside of surgery that you could try what would it be and why
1: Uh, I would definitely have to say I'd like to try being a pilot. I think it's, it's, it just takes you from one place to the next. Um, you know, it gives you different experiences and you have an incredible responsibility that you're taking on at the time. And I think it's very similar to the sort of surgery, which is what, you know, we do day to day, but it's, it is very similar, but different on so many other levels. You know, the sense of responsibility to something in life, the ability to, um, you know, be working part of a team and just being able to make a difference in someone else's life. And although it's just, you know, taking someone from one place to the next, it is a big um, responsibility. Definitely wanting to do that if I didn't do surgery.
0: Very interesting. So you mentioned that one thing that you can't live without is ambition. Have you always been an ambitious person? Like what are your earliest memories?
1: I grew up in in Bosnia, and um, we had, uh, you know, the first few years. So it was great. I had a great childhood, but of course we had a civil war, and during the time I was, you know, we, we didn't, we weren't able to go to school or anything. But I was very ambitious to learn new things. So um, even without any schooling, I encouraged my parents to teach me all I could about, you know, mathematics and um, and you know different languages. So when we moved to Germany after after the war, you know, picked up the language very quickly and I was very ambitious to, to move and learn the language and be able to, you know, make my dreams come true, so to say, yeah. uh, in a different country. Um, and then when we had to move again, coming to Australia, it was very similar as, again, coming to a country where you don't know the language, but you just wanted to – be better in every aspect of your life and you wanted to learn new things. And I think that ambition really drove me to just fulfill all the requirements that I needed to do. Um, I just push myself very hard to achieve everything along the way that I wanted to. Um, and I think without that, it would probably wouldn't have been as <laughs> successful as I probably would have been now. But I think it's, it's very important in life to have as something you aspiring towards, and it may not be obvious at the beginning, but even little things along the way you know um, are very helpful to get you to achieve down a track.
0: yeah, definitely, definitely. So you mentioned that your parents um, you know you you were very thirsty for knowledge. were they medically inclined as well or medically trained or
1: no my my parents are in a business um, sort of sector, but my dad did um, start uh, psychology sort of career but unfortunately I was um, stopped due to war but they they were both very keen to have their children educated and not miss out so we were homeschooled uh, for a good six years of my life um, and then when I went to Germany I went straight into school and it it served me very well having that knowledge very early on from my parents
0: um, so you've talked about your parents do you have any siblings area
1: yes i have a younger brother um so he's also here in australia um he's uh, followed my parents pathway went into business um i am the only one who's ended up in medicine in my entire family <laughs> yeah yeah and i knew very early on that i wanted to do medicine it was you know when i uh, think back the experience that I had during the war, there was no other question about it was always going to be medicine. It was always going to be, you know, surgery, general surgery, trauma, and, you know, abdominal surgery.
0: What is your strongest memory that you were like, yeah, medicine, has it's got to be medicine for me?
1: Yeah. So it was when I was young, I was, I believe, eight or nine years old in Bosnia. And I experienced the first time, um, Seeing a trauma surgeon attend to, you know, a trauma, and mm-hmm. seeing them work on uh, the, the patients around them, um, resuscitating and you know, stopping the bleeding and actually saving lives, mm-hmm. that was the moment. I was absolutely inspired, and I knew that was. One day it had to be me. So yeah, that was, I distinctly remember that moment.
0: Yeah, that's very inspiring. And I guess uh, with medicine the way it is now, you know, some people a bit later in life, some people a bit earlier in life, but it seems like that was quite formative for you.
1: Never too early, never too late, right?
0: Yeah, yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, so we've had a little bit of a look at a book that you've written no place like home Australian stories by young writers within that particular chapter there was a strong sense of rejection you weren't respected could you elaborate a little bit more about about what you wrote in that chapter and how you were feeling at the time
1: yeah so that was uh coming to australia mm-hmm. where it was um it was difficult coming to a country where he's absolutely new to you you know it's um You don't understand the people and the people don't understand you. And as kids, we often are very, you know, can be judgmental and don't really understand someone else's life or upbringing. So I think um, it was a bit difficult trying to paint a picture of where I came from, um, the experiences that I had, and for others to understand they haven't really experienced it themselves and I think that was a difficult time but I was lucky in a sense that I was surrounded by others who were in a similar situation and over time as our stories were shared you know people understood and and over time we understood that we don't have to belong to the to the world where we came from that we have a better life um something else we can look forward to a better outlook so it changed our perspective as well and um You know, it was very helpful to be around people who also understood and were open to uh, sharing their experiences as well.
0: And do you think in the time since you've been in Australia, do you think that there has been a shift in in mindset?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we talk about it so openly now, you know, and everyone's willing to listen to someone else's story, you know, and everyone has their own story. You don't have to come from war to have a story to tell. You know, it it comes in different forms and shapes. So... being open, um, respectful of one another and, um, you know, not judgmental was very important for me and, you know, I met a, long, a lot of people along the way, very similar to sort of stands. And uh, I believe Australia has changed so much, um, definitely for the better, and I wouldn't have wanted to live anywhere else. It's just an amazing country to live in.
0: So I'll just recap some of the history here. So, um, Grew up in Bosnia and Herzegovina, and then you moved to Germany in 1993. um, And then you returned back to Bosnia in 1995 briefly before returning to Australia. Is that correct?
1: So the war started sort of 91. So um, I left Bosnia in 1995 to go to Germany for about um, four years or so. And then we got to Australia in 1999.
0: You moved here when you were 15 and... I guess you had in that mindset like an ambition that yes medicine is is for me so what were you like as a student in high school then when you when you first arrived here?
1: Yeah so I was thirsty for knowledge yeah. I just wanted to do well in everything that I did. Um, I at that time at our school it wasn't particular push to get into medicine per se but there was a push to do the best you can and to be the best student you can possibly be. So i long term, um, my long-term outlook was to get a very good score and try to get into medicine, but there were always other options that I could pursue. But the short-term goals was always to do the best I can in the small things that I was doing. So and my teachers were absolutely amazing, uh, very inspirational, very willing to help us climbed a ladder so to speak and without that there's no way I would have been you know able to pursue my ambitions and dreams and goals you know it was it was them who really understood why we wanted to achieve our goals they understood how much we missed out on during our childhood and other years and they were very keen to get us um, a better life so without them it would have absolutely been impossible.
0: You reached the end of high school then, and how did how did everything go for you at the end of that?
1: Yeah, it was it was great. I found out I got into medicine, and it was I, I had to look at that a couple of times because I didn't believe it at first. So it was a at that moment and that feeling was something I will never forget. It's I believe it's one of those once in a lifetime feeling, mm-hmm. and it was just incredible. Um, and then after that, you know, um, Melbourne University was excellent. I met so many so many inspirational students and friends and was able to travel during my medical student years and and pursue my goals in surgery and my um research, research goals so it was it opened so many doors for me which i was absolutely amazed what was possible in life it was incredible.
0: So um, I guess the the next question then is what were you like as a medical student? Did you continue being as driven or did you relax just a little bit once you got into medicine?
1: (laughs) I think I was a bit more relaxed I think at that point. I I was just so happy and just so thrilled to be able to achieve that goal. That I was able to you know start to help others achieve theirs um, particularly Students from my own school and also from disadvantaged backgrounds. So that's when I started um, working with others from the social sector to organise, you know, um, events and education for the non-English speaking background students and also from disadvantaged background students to to help them along and to say, look, it's possible. Anything is possible. If we live in Australia now, you don't have to think it's uh, home where you came from. Any longer, it's a different world. So it it really opened so many aspects um, of, of my desires to, to help others, not, not only in medicine but also in the a, in a social sector as well.
0: And you have been quite involved in, in setting up a few kind of different programs and things like that. Would you like to elaborate a little bit more on those for us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that was, I think, one of the best um, experiences I've had um, so far. Uh, We run a a workshop for students from disadvantaged background called called Grounded, and this is on um, behalf of the Footprints Enterprises, and it's still going actively strong, um, where we set up events and educational events uh, to encourage others to pursue their dreams by finding out what their dreams are and guiding them through that process. And we also had um, a magazine called Dreamcatchers Magazine that ran many years, and we shared stories for from um, kids and students from disadvantaged backgrounds to educate others and inspire others to to say just because you've come from a you know difficult circumstances does not define you, and you can use that to help you and guide you to become better in your life. So it's 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 been a very important part of my life as well,
0: and obviously. Going on into the future then, I guess it's it's a bit all up in the air at the moment, but do you think that you'll continue with these kind of things or, or make, you know, I guess expand them even more with uh, with the greater reach that you'll have?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So at the moment we're working on a book. We've got uh, 30 stories to share from um, different sort of cultures and um, different experiences. So that's in the uh, manufacturing process now and we're, we're excited to share the Grounded um, Flipbook very soon with everyone. Um, and we're still continuing to work on the grounded uh, events and um, camps once the Covid is a bit more under control. But there are so many other ways we can share you know experiences and stories through virtual um, platforms. so it's it's something we're working on as well. And I think it's very important not to not to forget the disadvantaged um, people. It's you know they, been very tough not only in the COVID seasons but also in other aspects of their life. So just being able to um, give them a platform to share the experiences is is something we're very passionate about.
0: So I guess back to back to medical student studies now, just to draw it back a little bit. So obviously through medical school, you know the change from high school to medical school or even undergraduate to medical school these days, it's quite a significant jump. Did you um were there any points during your medical training where you had real doubts like oh do i actually want to do medicine or you considered changing in in some way
1: oh look i i never did because i felt that i worked very hard to achieve this goal and i think you've, if i put this to waste and it would have um, someone else's dream would have been you know wasted so i i i always wanted to do justice to taking that spot and i felt it, it was a privilege to be there um so I, I worked very hard to, to to prove to myself that I deserved to be there. And I did that through, you know, continuing as much as I could and do the best I can in in medical school years, but also reminding myself that there is life outside of medicine as well. And somehow I still incorporating it. And so I I traveled during my medical school years to developing countries. And um, especially during my electives, so I went to the Burma um, Thai border and worked at the clinics there, and also in Nepal and worked with the um, doctors there. And I think it was very important for me to go back to the developing world as, as well to to understand what is needed um, and bring that back again to Australia and give me the passion that I again need to to continue. Because being in medical school is is not easy it's there's a lot of learning there's a lot of commitment um steep learning curves and you need something to drive you to continue that on a day-to-day basis for many years and i think going back to that passion of what really made you want to do medicine is very important uh, because that will never let you down you will continue to use that to to push you to wake up at you know five o'clock in the morning to study for that exam and that's fine because eventually you'll get to where you need to, to pursue that dream.
0: So I guess the next question then is, you know, you, you mentioned from around the age of eight, you were like medicine and you saw the surgeon, you were like, oh, surgery going through different rotations in medical school. Did you ever, did you ever consider any other perhaps careers other than surgery or, or was it always kind of, oh, yep. Surgery is still where I want to go.
1: I have to say, Alex, it was always surgery. I think there's a saying in surgery: if you if you choose something else, um, if you find something else interesting, do that. (laughs) Okay. Because surgery is a massive commitment, and I just I couldn't think or see myself as doing anything else other than surgery. And it was important to do the the other rotations, you know, medical rotations and psychiatry um, as well, because it it does make you a better surgeon. Um, at the end of the day but uh, my interest was absolutely a yeah, particular general surgery I, I knew that was my path and I had to pursue it and of course it's hard um, you know to surgical training but also to get into surgical training to do the years of you know internship residency unaccredited uh, registrar years and fulfilling all of the requirements it's it is a massive commitment and unless you have an Hundred percent decided to do surgery. I think um, it's 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 very important to to sort of fully commit yourself to that. Um, and I think it's um, it's also it's very important um, part of my life. So I guess I, I I wouldn't say I'm only a surgeon and just a surgeon, nothing else. But it, it is it, it you know in my blood.
0: Really. So how did you? I guess for those of our listeners who are interested in surgery and are stuck on a rotation that perhaps doesn't have a lot of surgery, what kind of advice would you give those people for, for getting through those rotations or even, you know, you know, the skills that you can develop in other rotations that benefit surgery as well?
1: Yeah, so I always found that the best surgical registrars are those that have an extensive knowledge um, in other areas, particularly, you know, medical knowledge um, and I, a, emergency medicine, um, you know, and I think it does make you a better surgical registrar and it makes you a better surgeon because every bit that you learn from other specialties, it also it is relevant to surgery. No surgical patient alone is just a surgical patient. There are always other complications, you know, um, issues that you need to deal with. And it's always nice to speak to, you know, a renal physician when you have renal knowledge, it's its a great discussion. And it's not just a referral, or this is the issue you know. deal, can you sort it out for me? It is a discussion between two colleagues. So having an extensive knowledge from other areas really serves you well as a, as a surgical registrar. So my recommendation would be fully embrace that rotation, learn as much as you can, because one day when you're a surgical registrar or a surgeon, you will have a patient with that problem, that medical problem, and you will know how to manage it and you will know how to discuss that with your other colleagues. And it's a great skill to have.
0: So I guess the, um, the next question is related to that. And what experiences and opportunities, you've mentioned that you, you took on quite a few as a medical student, but more broadly for other medical students listening, what, what opportunities and experiences do you think they should seek out and, and, and why?
1: I think they should seek out the opportunities and experiences that they're passionate about, because that is the number one factor that they will that it will allow them to continue pursuing the knowledge, the inspiration to have that end goal. Um, so, my advice would be for research in particular. I think research gives you a broad and specific knowledge to a particular um specialty and it's very important nowadays it's a prerequisite for most things but also it really gives you a overall um knowledge of what you need to know to um about that topic so research will be definitely on the top of the list but also education um, being able to teach others is very important and the non-technical aspects in surgery um, being able to collaborate with your colleagues and you know have a Discussion about important topics is is very important. So I think um, pursuing those um, would be also very important for them.
0: Okay, so you graduated from Melbourne University in 2010 and then you moved to the Monash Hospital and and completed your internship and residency there. So how did you find that experience, I guess, moving from, you know, kind of home hospitals of, of Melbourne University going over to Monash?
1: yeah so I lived around the Danenong area at the time and I went to school to normal Park so it's all very homey mm-hmm. um, for me so I, I I knew that I had to give back to the hospitals that were in, in my area um, and it was a wonderful experience I had absolutely amazing internship here. it was incredible I had three surgical rotations and Um, one was colorectal uh, and two general surgical rotations and I absolutely loved it and I had one medical rotation in the country at the Latrobe Regional Hospital and it was amazing and on my first day it was quite a wake-up call where I had a code blue and started CPR but I was very well supported and I knew at that moment what it meant to be supported in, in a unit that was busy and I knew that you know, when you've been well supported, you can do a lot of good things mm. in, in internships. So I always try and do that for my interns now. And I did a psychiatry rotation as well, and it was very important as well because now I can have the discussion with my patients and openly discuss depression.
0: We, uh, we had a little bit of a look in and you went from Monash and then you did a year of residency at the Alfred Hospital. How did you find the switch up between those two hospitals?
1: Oh, it was excellent. But, um, I didn't really have any issues with switching from hospital to hospital because mm-hmm. um, doing my internship um, at Monash, it was going from three different hospitals anyway. Very easy to transition from hospital to hospital. and It was a very good skill to pick up mm-hmm. very early on. So going to the Alfred was not different really, but it was in a sense where it was a very steep learning curve. And at that, that point, I was given an unaccredited surgical um, registrar position. And it was an absolutely incredible experience, particularly in a trauma um, rotation, where I learned so much in, in three to six months. And I, at the end of that year, I was very tired. I was working a lot, but I was absolutely full of new knowledge and met incredible, incredible surgeons and ED physicians. And that was and experience that um, even to this day served me well because I can look back and say this is how you treat a trauma surge a trauma patient. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was about to ask about that. I was like the Alfred being one of the trauma centres. Yeah, you got got to get. You have um- to do
1: trauma at Alfred. It was, you can't <laughs> not do it.
0: <laughs> and I guess it's just stoked that flame a little bit further for you. So after your year at the Alfred, you then moved back to the Monash Hospital. Um, and at that point, when, when did you actually become an accredited surgical registrar and get onto the program?
1: Yeah. So when I moved back to Monash, I did a six months uh, rotation of clinical and six months of teaching, which is something that the Monash offered at that time. And that was a great experience. And after I finished. That year, uh, the following year, I was a SET2 trainee. So in the year of six months um, of teaching and six months clinical, I was able to complete my Gsse exam, complete all my uh, research requirements, and um, uh, obtain a spot on the SET training. So it was a very successful year at that time. And so the next year, um, it was SET2. So that was a, an interesting, again, transition. But... I was like in a sense that I had a few years of unaccredited year experience so it wasn't a major transition from being perhaps a resident to a registrar suddenly whereas I I had enough experience to to feel comfortable in the set two position and I came to the Austin um, because it had uh, amazing rotations. I was able to go uh, to Victorian hospitals, but also Tasmania and Alice Springs, and mm-hmm. it gave me even more experiences that I needed to, to pursue that uh, role as a general surgeon and also a subspecialty surgeon later on. Uh, now that I'm set five and sitting for the exam, it's looking back, it's been an absolutely amazing year, years, um, although it, hard at times. Surgical training can be difficult, and there's steep learning curves, Um uh, there's it's pressure it's you know it's dealing with someone's um, life on table and of course i always had supportive surgeons colleagues so in that sense it, um it was very enjoyable and um looking forward to next stages of my career
0: yeah yes yes if everything goes ahead this year for us yes. <laughs> um so i guess a little bit more can you demystify for us what advice would you give to people now who are interested in joining the set program obviously you know it's it's getting more and more difficult but what advice would you give them if they were wanting to pursue that kind of career in surgery
1: yeah so my greatest advice is don't be alarmed of doing a few years of unaccredited registrar years these are the best years of your career, because you will learn a lot during this time and you will have the support, not only from your set trainees, but also from the fellows and the surgeons. So take this as a as years where you pick up most of the knowledge um, and don't be disheartened if you have to do a few more extra years because you didn't get onto this training program. Because once you do get on, it will serve you well. You will have experience you will have the knowledge um, and it will make your set life a lot easier. And don't forget to do the research. Um, It's something that the college really looks favorably. So do that. And if you're interested in any particular areas, um, doing a high degree such as a master's or PhD is also looked upon favorably. So continue doing that, but don't forget to have a life outside of that as well. It's you know if you enjoy travel continue traveling don't feel like it has to be all about um surgery it's important to bring other aspects of your life into the surgical field as well
0: um and it i guess you have mentioned research a few times now so is there any particular research field that you're passionate about at the moment or that you're looking at at the moment
1: yeah so i i'm i love research i I love the ability to collect the data analyze the data and then publish something that you've um, analyzed and collected, and you have something to say uh, that you're passionate about. So, my main passions um, about surgical education, and also um, upper general surgery, um, upper GI, and breast surgery. So, a few areas. Um, the, I suppose looking back, the greatest um, research projects that I have done. So. So it has been about mental health surgical among surgical registrars and this was about three years ago where we found that the mental health of our surgical trainees was not as good. In fact, it was lower than the general population in Australia and it was important to highlight that topic and it was the first project that looked at that. Um, And since then, um, we've been able to sort of talk more about it and highlight the issue that it's important important to bring well-being, you know, even in a busy surgical world. We have to sit down, talk about it, think about it, and talk about it. And other aspects would be other general surgery, trauma surgery, surgery. my latest project that I have finished was looking at gastric sleeves, um, and we found that it is the most common operation that is performed in Australia, in the p- uh, private sector. So certainly, the world is changing and constantly changing, and I think it's great to have research to show that to the, to the world. And it's I'm so happy to be part of that.
0: So I guess beyond that, then uh, a few a few. Previous surgeons that we've talked to have mentioned that mentorship is super, super important when getting onto a surgical career. Are there any people in your life who you consider mentors and who have helped you along your way?
1: Oh, absolutely. There's so many. And every hospital I go to, uh, you know, there's one or two at least of the either registrars or fellows or surgeons that you just look up to and they inspire you. Um, so when I was working, um, in Monash, um, certainly Paul Cashin was very inspirational. He's the, uh, currently, uh, head of the surgery at Monash Health. And he was a, a great mentor. Um, and I, I think when times got tough, he was able to, you know, sit me down and say, this is not the end. Keep going. You know, we all fall down, but get up and off you go. Um, And um, yeah, it's very important to have that person at times when you really need them. Sumit Toshniwal definitely has been another surgeon in general surgery. It's been very inspirational and uh, a mentor to me. Kate Martin at uh, Alfred, uh, it's been excellent. I can't speak more highly of her. She's an absolutely incredible surgeon and human being. Um, And, you know, here at the Northern, so many, so many surgeons I can name. um, Mr. David Bird, is Wanda, Stelmec, you know, so many inspirational surgeons and each one of them uh, that you look up to and they shape you.
0: What do you think has been the most challenging aspect of your surgical training to date?
1: I, I think the steep learning curves that we experience in surgery um, is something that you have to adapt very quickly. Um, our rotations go for about six months and into six months uh, we have certain criteria that we have to meet and it's it's very fast-paced. You have to learn the new skills. Um, you know the, There are other fellows that you're working with and you're, you're sharing the uh, opportunities. So it's it's um, picking up as much as you can in a very short period of time so that when you finish your training, when you become a general surgeon, when you're in the country on call and that patient comes through, you want to look back and say, yes, I've been taught that very well and I can use that skill and put it in practice now mm-hmm. so it's it's being able to say at the end of the six months okay i feel competent enough to do this so that's something that we discuss with our supervisors at the end of each assessment and every term and i'd always like to achieve that point of course general surgery is many aspects many aspects and many surgeries so it's not always possible to to be at that point but it, as long as we understand at least the principles um, and be able to call a friend when in need. I think that's um, something we can achieve.
0: Um, and what aspects of your surgical training have you enjoyed the most so far?
1: It's uh, being able to collaborate with so many amazing people. I think I, that's certainly the greatest aspect. And also the traveling that I experienced, you know, from going from state to state, um, meeting different ways of performing tasks, performing surgeries, has been, you know, very good for. Adapting and also shaping my way in which I want to practice one day, so that's very uh, useful to have. And just meeting different people when you go to conferences and you see them, you can you know catch up, and it's it's been great from that end. But um, you know another aspect would be being at um, the Austin Northern and a training hub, and doing my training here has been phenomenal. Uh, I've learned a lot. I've met a lot of interesting and inspirational people and um, I highly recommend the Austin Orland Training Hub. I think it's an excellent training hub.
0: So beyond that, how do you go about, you know, reaching, I guess, kind of the, the crux of your training there? How do you go about managing your time and, and work life balance and things like that?
1: Yeah. So I, over the years you find a way that suits you and everyone is different everyone has different aspects in their life that they like to do and incorporate into you into their every day so you, you've eventually towards the end you, you have a routine and you have a routine that works very well for you but something that the austin training austin northern training hub is doing is implementing a part-time or flexible training scheme where if um you're preparing for an exam for example or you want to do something in one year that you probably wouldn't be able to do if you did full time training then the Austin Northern Training Hub offers the flexible training where you do the six months over a year and you do that on a week on week off period so in the week off you can pursue that particular interest um, more stronger than you would have otherwise and it gives you that opportunity and you know it can suit a lot of people and it's something that uh, we here strongly advocate for and it, it's open to anyone who's interested in that
0: really. so it sounds like you, there's another passion there as well beyond uh, helping with uh, you know migrant education and things like that it sounds like welfare is is big on your mind as well would you like to discuss that a little bit more
1: yeah absolutely i believe that a, a good doctor, good general surgery registrar or any registrar or surgeon is better with a, with a good mental health, um, with a backup of the system um, in terms of a well-run system um, that really looks at the doctor's well-being. And this is something, again, that the Austin Northern is, is very passionate about. And we work on a very collaborative approach. In performing our our tasks and um, our our sort of duties, and it's um, it's something that I think it's very important that we come to work and that we're passionate about being here, that we're well supported and that we feel well, and if there is something that is on on our mind, that we have people we can approach to and say, you know, we need help or this is something that I'm struggling with, and then it's not a it's not taboo to discuss this. So we're very open here at um, Austin Northern and um, it's something that I think every hospital should um, be sort of looking at doing the same and it's, it's it's great to be a part of that environment.
0: So I guess uh, for our listeners out there who perhaps haven't spent a lot of time in surgery, do you think that the – have you noticed that there have been cultural and workplace changes even in, in your time since you've, you've uh, graduated?
1: Absolutely. I mean, over the last few years, there's been an incredible uh, amount of effort and dedication and passion put into surgery to change a culture that may perhaps have been seen previously as not so approachable or, you know, a bit, um, um distant or a bit backwards. But I, I believe it's changing a lot and the surgeons that are coming through now, and the fellows, and the younger surgeons are, are very open to a new world, and I believe you know one thing just shows with the flexible training. Having a week off, week on in surgery has not been done before for many years, mm. so it's it's things are changing for the better. I think, and I think once. You know, the medical students come through now. They'll see the general surgery and other surgeon, surgical fields is a excellent career path. So I'm hoping um, we can do a lot more to help.
0: Looking at things now, so obviously we've made some steps forward. Now, are there still issues that need to be addressed, and, and what are they, and how do you think we could try and address them in the future?
1: Yeah. So hierarchy is still a you know Um, a thing in surgery and I think it's important to have a certain hierarchy because there is a level of responsibility that is um, required in surgery but it's being able to work among different members of of the team and treat everyone um, equally. I think it's something that we now expect and demand and if if things um, don't um, appear to be so. Then there is a process that occurs to bring it to that level. And I think its um, it, i certainly haven't experienced, um, you know, any problems at the hospitals that I'm working at the moment. But um, you know, there's always room for improvement. And if registrars feel that, or interns or residents feel that there needs to be change, then at least there's a, a platform where they can speak up. And now it's very encouraged for others to speak up and change the system for the better.
0: So I guess just recapping, but you've mentioned ambition is an important value, but do you think there are any other values that have helped you get to get to where you are today?
1: Yeah, so listening to other people's advice is very important, particularly those people that you respect and taking constructive criticism on board um, because they're designed there to help you become a better person, a better Um, doctor so and also being able to reject some of the comments that you don't feel serve you well I mean I know when I was you know in high school there were comments made that you know only private school kids go to medicine you know but it's something sometimes these comments can make or break you I think it's important to know who you are as a person what you're capable of and you only you truly know what you're capable of and just never to give up, you know, just to continue. And one day it may seem like the worst day of your life, but the next day you'll pick yourself right up and and carry on. So that ability to just never give up is, is very important in every aspect you do in your life and everything you do.
0: So what is the most memorable experience that you've had so far?
1: My most memorable experience, there are so many, so many, but the steepest learning curve that I had was one night when I was a registrar, a trauma registrar at the Alfred, when we had a very busy night of four very major traumas coming through and it was managing very four very sick individuals, patients, and going from one patient to the next and just... Um putting aside um what was going through my mind, whether I was able to handle it or but just just focusing on a task and just um you know go from chest tube to chest tube and manage the patient at the time, and knowing that there's always support when I need it, it was very important um for me in terms of progressing on onwards because I look back at that now and I think I'll oh, look, you know. That was the toughest day in my career and you just pull through that and you just carry on. So I think that's um, useful for anyone that, you know, one day they'll have a tough day and they just carry on the next day and they're capable of getting through and never forget to speak to others and ask for advice.
0: I guess I, I think we have an idea about this, but what do you hope to achieve in your career going forward?
1: Yeah, so one day I hope to still um, be able to pursue my um, long-term goal of um, returning to developing countries and using my general surgical skills and trauma skills um, and being able to provide the service to the world that really needs it. Um, so I'm hoping to continue that uh, in many years to come, um, but also you know continuing and subspecializing in Australia and um you know, working with amazing colleagues and um, working on my research. So, hopefully, that continues to years to come.
0: So, what subspecialization are you looking at then?
1: I have so many interests <laughs> right now, <laughs> so it's very difficult to pick one. But um, certainly, upper GI, breast surgery, endocrine surgery is is something that I'm absolutely passionate about. So, hopefully, I'm heading down that path.
0: Excellent, excellent. Um, so, what's one lesson? in your medical career so far that you wish that you had learned earlier?
1: One lesson I wish I had learned earlier is to take um, other people's opinions with a grain of salt. Um, you know, you when you're learning and picking up new skills along the way when you're very junior, what um, some seniors may say to you, it, it becomes sometimes ingrained in your, in your mind. And, you know, just because someone mentions to you that you know you're a female perhaps surgery is not right for you it's it's important to brush that aside and know who you are um and not even you know think for a second that this is defines you that agenda defines you but you just um, um continue working on your goals and keep moving forward
0: um and would you have any advice for you know, I guess there is a big push at the moment to improve uh, women in medicine, in particularly like surgical fields, which have been male dominated for for a long time. Would you have any advice for for um, you know potential future female surgeons out there?
1: Yeah. Bottom line is, do it. It's a it's an absolutely amazing career. It opens so many opportunities. Not only do you have great skills that you can implement and. Uh, truly make a difference in someone's life. But you can do so many things um, outside of Australia. You, even within surgery, there's research op- options. Um, there's ability to travel. Um, there is so much you can do with surgery. And you can also have a great life. There are so many surgeons that I know who, you know, if they wish to have kids, it's definitely a possibility Um, you know the subspecialties in general surgery itself um, offers different lifestyles so and the training has become so much more enjoyable Um, and I'm sure by the time they reach you know the registrar years it will be an excellent career path so just continue working you know on the little things day by day Um, focus on the tasks the prerequisite that you need to get into the training program and just don't give up. Keep going because eventually you will get there. Everyone eventually gets there. So you, you will too. Keep going. Uh, ask for advice. Um, the best advice I got from a surgeon, um, which is one of the surgeons working here at the Northern, Mr. Bird. He said, once you, you want to be a surgeon that when you walk into a room, everyone just breathes easily and just is relaxed and has an amazing day. And I think that's um, something that I've taken on um, and hopefully, you know, you can use that for the rest of, of my career. And I think if we have, you know, surgeons um, like him, it will improve everyone's day. So it's very good to find someone who inspires you and you um, uh, work with them as much as you can as well.
0: Um, one of the final questions. So, you know, you've mentioned – a lot of things that you've done to get you where you are today but how much do you attribute to luck and how much to hard work
1: yeah they i've heard a quote saying um you know you use luck when you don't think about all the hard work that you've put through because at the end of the day when you've achieved it and look back you feel like it wasn't you know it wasn't that big of a deal but truly when you're going through the process it is a lot of work um I'd probably. You always need a little bit of like you know. There's always a little bit there that you just. Oh yeah, that's nice. <laughs> it's uh, but it, truly in surgery, it certainly it certainly is all about your dedication, the amount of work you put in, um, the the people you interact with, and the skills and advice you uh, gain from them. And I think if you're overall truly just in, interested in, you know, doing the best you can and being the best sort of registrar or surgeon that you can be, everyone will be open to helping, you know, help you get there because we all want to work with people who are inspirational, you know, who are passionate about what they want to do because you want to wake up and say, yes, I'm looking forward to working with that person today. So I think it's just um, – trying to be that person every day.
0: Now, last question. Uh, We're heading into the weekend. So what can we find you doing this weekend?
1: This weekend, Alex, will be all about studying. (laughs) (laughs) It is all about studying, but also, um, you know, it is is COVID season, so we're not allowed to, in my study group, we'll have to do it over Zoom. So we tend to dress up for Zoom as well, you know. (laughs) We have our ways to keep ourselves entertained. Yep. But I also have, um, a bit of renovating to do at my house, a bit of gardening. So during my break times, um, I like to just relax a little bit and, um, see my garden grow. And hopefully, um, I have more time to pursue that a bit as well. But yes, otherwise I would be traveling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> I would be, um, you know, out with my dogs and uh, my partner and just, um, know enjoying that aspect as well it's very important to to have that home life to you come come home to
0: I will not take up any more of your very valuable study time then and uh, we all wish you the very best I'm sure that the exams later on in the year will be a breeze for you based on those twitter questions that you have been <laughs> posting
1: <laughs> I hope everyone enjoyed that <laughs> yeah
0: would you like to uh, mention your twitter handle for those who use twitter out there
1: <laughs> yeah so if you're interested in the uh, spot questions um, just head to at doc yasmina um and you'll find him all on there with some excellent comments from surgeons all around the world <laughs> and um hopefully later down the track we can have some more of those
0: definitely definitely <laughs> all right well uh, thank you so much for being our guest today and we hope that uh we hope that you enjoyed this experience it wasn't too bad <laughs> or too chaotic <laughs> it's
1: been absolutely fantastic and thank you for including me in this and i hope your listeners have um gotten something out of this and hopefully uh they pursue surgery particularly general surgery um because i think it's an excellent um career path
2: thanks so much for tuning into today's episode of the time out podcast if you'd like to hear more from us in the future please consider subscribing to the show on the apple and spotify podcast platforms if you'd like to contact us or have any thoughts that you'd like to share please do so via our facebook page the Surgical Student Society of Melbourne. The Surgical Student Society of Melbourne would like to thank our two major sponsors for 2020, the Medical Indemnity Protection Society and the Department of Surgery at the University of Melbourne for their ongoing support. Please find in the show description, a link for the Department of Surgery's e-learning module entitled Pathways to Career Progression, as well as two links from MIPS for students. The Surgical Student Society of Melbourne would also like to thank Michelle Andrews, who is the co-host of The Shameless Podcast, for her support in helping us to put this program together. You can find The Shameless Podcast on Apple and Spotify podcasts as well. This episode was edited by Karen Gunatilaka and Alex Grogan. Special thanks to Jenny Pham and Rashan Kari for their help in organising today's guests. My name's Jason and I hope that you'll tune in again soon.